This is Channel 253. In this episode of What Say You? I cried in front of the white men. You cried in front of Massa. I cried in front of Massa. I did. But let me just tell you. <laughs> let me tell girl, you what tell happened, what happened girl, girl. Listen. It had to be deep. I'm listening. It was tears I am all ears. of joy. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. What say you? Real sisters. Real talk. What say you? Down-to-earth conversations between sisters about life, work, family, and the pursuit of an anti-racist community. Hi, I'm Audrey. And I'm Melanie. What What say say you? Oh, my sister, Melanie Denise Cunningham. I am so glad to be back on the mic with you and see you Mm. in the flesh. How are you doing? It's been a while. Sister, Mm -hmm. it has been a long time. It has, girl. Listeners, listeners, we missed you. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes. You said said sometimes. I'm saying I missed you. Well, I did. I did. Why do you say sometimes? Well, because the time that I didn't miss them. Well, that's true because that's it the is time kind when of we like was a, apart, right? Yeah, the, we, we were apart, and and the work does become a job. I mean, you know, and so I guess I didn't miss it either, as I was trying to get myself into a new headspace because we haven't been on the mic since I came back from Ghana. Exactly, exactly, and it is when I when you say a job, it is mentally. Yeah. And and emotionally draining. Yes. And so you have to step back and get into a new space. And, uh, well, honey, I am brand new. Mm. I am brand new. How about you? Oh, sister. Mm-hmm. How do we do when we cluck? We be like, yes, girl. Listen, okay. honey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so listen. Um we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff because okay, it's been a while. Right. It's a mashup it's episode a mashup. today. We're going to go everywhere. It has been a while, and there is so much that has transpired in the world, in our, in locally, uh, in our daily and personal Ooh, lives girl, and you everything. you better know it. One of the first things, please. Talk to me. Can we talk about, because Mm. this is why I opened up with Sister. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. Girl. What? You done went to the White Privilege Conference. Yes. And made it back alive. I am back. Girl. Why are you surprised? What? What? Yes, I went to the National White Privilege Conference, WPC 23 in Charlotte, North Carolina, in, just recently. In Charlotte, North Carolina. Are you know we from there. I know. Girl, listen. We from Charlotte. I'm, I'm sharing. I went and visited Grandmother Margaret's grave. You did. And that I was did. beautiful. That, oh, Daddy was Say her name. so happy. Grandmother, Grandmother Margaret. Margaret. I know Daddy was Daddy happy. Was, right? he, I <laughs> never, girl, did you see? Did you see him texting those emojis? He, Daddy was emoji. Oh. Listen, our Daddy is eighty three. Three. Mm-hmm. He was emo- when I sent him the headstone <laughs> to Grandmother Margaret and me like <laughs> laying on the side like, hey, peace, Daddy. Oh, that was that was so encouraging. It was it was a beautiful thing. Okay. So if nothing else, I know that. God sent you there for a reason. Yep, for that. Frank David Nelson came out the woodwork. You oh, know, you I didn't tell seen. me Frank David mm, Nelson girl. came out. Okay, girl. Frank David Nelson was there. Our little Jacqueline. Jacqueline. That we yes. Have known since she was a baby. They read. Girl, Facebook is everything. People know your business. Well, I just know <laughs> that when you told me you were going 
to the White Privilege Conference. The National White Privilege the Conference. The National White Privilege Conference. I went, oh, no. Everybody does. No. They were shocked. Oh, my God. Uh-uh. And Sister, I just wasn't I slick too. I just drop it in like I was going down just the street. Like it's, a, it's another day, you know, like you're going down to the Safeway or something or the Fred Meyer. Girl, how, no. I loved it so much. Okay, and so, I love people's reactions too, especially straight people like on the bus when I was going. They, you know how you get on the uh, Wally Park bus to you park your car. And and so the people that are on the uh, bus with you, they're like, where are you traveling to? And then I'm just straight out. Oh, I'm going to the National White Privilege Conference. <clears throat> and because the whole bus is white. <laughs> oh, my God. You just no. see their faces. But one of the brave souls said, um, ma'am, what is that? <laughs> well, and I think that brave soul has... The burning question. Yeah. Can you please, yes. please tell us mm-hmm. what the National White Privilege Conference is? Because it don't sound pretty on the outside. Please tell us. as a, Well, the fact that you made it out alive means something going right. Yes. So tell us what that is, please. Yes, I think it's counterintuitive. Because what it is is a gathering of scholars and educators and activists and students and researchers and, you know, folks that are studying racial trauma, the systems, the strategies to destroy, dismantle, interrupt, disrupt, uh, all those like minds, people that are vulnerable, that are that are waking up as we talk about to the fact that they have the privilege. But, oh, girl, let me tell you something. The um, One of the speakers, his name is Dr. And I don't know if it's Dr. It's Resma Minikam. Resma Minikam. And his book that is the New York bestseller that people talk about is called My Grandmother's Hands. Mm-hmm. Now, we had access to this brother in a lot of different ways, and he was dropping knowledge everywhere. But one of the things, one of the kernels that I picked up, he said, "Mm, no, we're not calling it white privilege. Stop doing that. It's time to change the framework on that. Because when you say white privilege, you know, that brings some kind of, people be feeling some kind of way. Well, you know, that, of course they, of course they do. Privilege, I don't have privilege. I don't have privilege. What you talking about? I'm poor. Yeah, that is, that's true. It opens the door for the argument and the debate and then the purpose gets lost. Yes. He said, listen, let's call it what it is, white advantage. Ooh. Yes, it's white advantage in a system that was intentionally built to advantage white people. Acknowledge it, no argument, and let's go from there. Because again, his whole girl Resma, he was everything. He just just expanding my mind. Here's the other thing. Let me just put it on out there. Mm-hmm. This whole idea, I talked to you about it, called clean pain and clean dirty pain. Clean pain and dirty pain. Yeah, what, yeah remind me of That's that. That's him too. Mm-hmm. Clean pain and dirty pain. Because he's, he's relating everything to our bodies mm-hmm. and how this whole racist system traumatizes our bodies. And we need to pay attention to the energies in our bodies to say, you know, how we're reacting, how we're triggered, how we're triggered, because by knowing that, we can know how to heal ourselves. And so clean pain and dirty pain, in my urban translation, is that the dirty pain part is when we dance around just getting to the truth. Right. You just don't go. You just don't talk to people like I'm mad at you. And so I'm going to just hold on to it. And every interaction that I have, I don't say nothing. Your body language says one thing, but you're not getting getting to the root of it. And you know how families do shit be happening. And then you just act like Mm -hmm. nothing happened and you show up the next time and... They go Some brother Jim. I can't stand his ass. Uncle Billy Bob, and <laughs> you know, you just never deal with it, and so things manifest out of that. Mm-hmm. That's dirty. That's messy. That's the dirty pain. You don't go for it. Clean pain is just when you go through. You know, you just say, 
damn. This is it. This, this is, is it. Mm-hmm. You know, today I, I'm I'm giving like a real life example from when I got here of clean pain. I had one of uh, a white woman that I'm working with and um, opened opportunities for her mm-hmm. um, to advance herself. And then the next thing I know, she didn't jumped all over me and went to that person that I opened the opportunity with for her mm-hmm. and moving about her skippy, caucastic way. Oh. Yeah, not not a check-in, not a respect for the root of the relationship. You know, so I had to call the other person first and say, hey, so-and-so called you, y'all going out and having lunch and stuff. I just want to understand because, you know, this is a client relationship. This is not a personal thing. I'm. It's a little messy and fuzzy right here. Uh-huh. What were you thinking? Okay, it's an uncomfortable conversation, but go through it. So and then I was able to call that other person back then and say, listen, this is this is how your behavior impacted me. And then we got to, oh, I didn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I'm, oh, Miss Melling, that was not my intent. I said, which I totally believe you. Yep. But let's talk about the impact of that. That was disrespectful. And then put it on top of, you know how I filter caucasity. I'm like, girl, please. That to me don't, was a caucastic yeah, act. That felt that felt. Call it out, funny. Mm-mm. Just say it out loud. I said it to her directly. There was no defense. We processed that together. We understood one another. And then when it was done, it was like, okay, girl, let me help figure out how to help you get this next job. So that clean. So the clean pain is when you go through Just it. Just go through, and then you wipe your hands of it. And, and move it's on. done. It's done. The dirty pain is you don't go through it. It's and sticking it just to your sticks ribs. It sticks to, to you spirit. and wears you down, and it, it's just foul. That's interesting. I really, um, I really uh, like that changing the terminology, the narrative from privilege to advantage. Yes, ma'am. Because that is, I think, that is more of... A, an exactness of what it is. And that eliminates argument just because, and that also takes away, no. and we've said this a million times, I'm going to say a, a million and one times. Look, white people that are living right now, okay, you didn't do this. Yeah. You didn't make this it system. We are clear on that. You didn't make the system where your work comes in is do you perpetuate, participate, and receive and and not do anything to eliminate? And can I even preface it, please? Do you acknowledge? Do you, okay, so first of all, let's acknowledge that a system exists. Let's acknowledge. Yes. You acknowledge and you take ownership. You know, the truth will set you free. And then now, what does it mean to be white in America? What does it mean to be white? Okay, because y'all can't even get yourself together. You know, at the core of the existence of white people is this distrust. What kind of white person are you? You know, and and it kind of makes me think back to the um, South African, uh, I, I might be digressing a little bit, but seriously, when apartheid was dismantling and me understanding you know, I had white friends and colored friends and black friends and Indian friends, but there's this this whole universal mistrust. The colored people in the United States mm-hmm. would be black people. We, you know, we we got rid of the colored thing. They yeah. just black. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and but there is such a distrust that well, what kind of colored person were you? Oh dear. Were were, were you fighting on this side of things, or were you white minded? You know, where was your mindset in the struggle? What kind of colored person? So that was in South. So South Africa had it even broken down. The system was even more, uh, more uh, complex, if you will. Mm -hmm. But white people got to figure out now what kind of white people is among them. You know, that's why they got a lot of confusion. What kind of white person are you? Mm. And see, and that, but see, I, I'm, I am glad that we're there. Yes. That some are there because some, they going to be some people. Let's just say this off the top. 
There are going to be some people, white, black, and whatever. They mm-hmm. are so eye focused. They individual. They are individual. They mm-hmm. are so individual. They don't give a whole nothing about nothing. Exactly. Ever. Never. Ever. And that exists in all races in all of this construct. And let me say, that's the foundational element, yes. principle of white bodied supremacy is that you make it individual. The I. I remember I. we did a we did a um one one of the sh- shows we've done earlier where you broke that down about mm-hmm. how it is I focus and so there are some people that are just gonna be that they're in denial and and we got the, you know I think when I think of uh when I think of black people who are like that I immediately go to uh the house person Massa, oh, plantation Massa, yeah let's Toby go run you know that plantation one. we still yep. have those out there yes we do those that mindset is still out there and I lump them all with the, with the, with the other races who are so I individual focused yeah and then, let me just let me just point out what you're saying listeners if you're not getting the plantation fr- framework mm-hmm. is so excellent for this analogy so think about it you talk about Toby and them and where Toby and them that did you see roots? That's that's what that's Girl, who that is. Massive, okay, Toby, Toby, always telling on people. Okay, go ahead. So yeah, <laughs> well, we and we still have, <laughs> that type of construct still exists. The plantation mindset. It still exists, you know, at work. At work, girl, please. Girl, you got Toby, you got, and then you Miss got. Miss Ann. You got Miss Ann. Miss Ann. She always a supervisor. I know. And then you got. Nancy in accounting. Nancy in accounting. Remember, that's, a, that's who uh, Sakara mm-hmm. from uh, Black Lives Matter told us. Girl. About Nancy in accounting. And you got, you know, you, you got the people in the house. The house Negroes. The the house Negroes, and they are favored, so they think, so they going to tell on— They have to maintain favor. uh Uh-huh. So they got to tell on the the field people. Yes. And they put the house Negroes in charge of— Oh, in charge of. mm Mm-hmm. So, but I want to bring this— Those are our DEI folks these days. um, Okay, did I just say that? Ooh, that's—ooh. Wait a minute. No, I, I dropped it. Ooh. Shall I, we explore that? We I, That's the first time I've heard you say that. I'm I'm just raising the question. What say you more? Oh, I'm listen. I've I have said right now many times, not right now, many times before how terrified I am about this DEI movement when white corporations and folks are like, "Oh god, we need to have DEI." They don't understand it. They don't know a whole lot about it. And people that have been out there in the consulting world doing, like, HR and things around the DEI industry are all of a sudden now claiming that as a competency. Mm. And they're getting hired for these corporate gigs, and they're doing more harm than good. Plantation mentality. Hire someone that is going to reinforce your message. Mm. What did you say when we were talking the other day was it uh, Resma that talked about how that the DEI industry is multi-billion dollars? Yeah. And what what was what were his thoughts around that? Because I remember there was something that you said that was um, was very. There is a reason for that. I mean, why is it all of a sudden? You know, there is money about this that companies. What? Yeah, this is a money industry. Mm-hmm. You got to always follow the money. So this is the latest thing. Okay. Organizational development is a thing. Social emotional intelligence is a thing. So now DEI is a thing in the corporate world and you've got to have these experts. Now we, girl, how long I've been in this work? Long time. Before they called it DEI. Uh, it it was affirmative name. action, EEO yeah. officer. I mean, since the since the 80s. early eighties, mm-hmm. I was doing transgender work before they even said it out loud, yeah. right? Remember? Yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> I mean my the tail hook sexual harassment stuff with the Department of the Navy. I mean, so we got skin in the game to understand 
the depths of you can't just walk out and start talking about race to your workforce without any kind of preparation or understanding. And people are doing that because they're feeling and I'm using air quotes yeah. right now, guilty or George Floyd woke them up and this, but they're not vetting their consultants. You know, what kind of story? I don't care what curriculum you put forward. What kind of stories do you have? You're a trainer, sister. Yes. You are a human resources, competent training vice presidents and everything about leadership. Come on now. You gotta have the competency. Well, and to you teach. said something in our um, our offline conversation also something about context before content. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? That was Dr. Jamie Washington at the um, White Privilege Conference that dropped that little nugget, and Kathy O'Bear. I want you all to look those names up, Dr. Jamie Washington and Kathy O'Bear. And they were just talking to us about, you know, you can't just drop this information out into your workplace unless you give context. Mm -hmm. What is the context? You got to spend time massaging that because your organizations are socialized. Your cultures are workplace cultures are who they are. And then you just go walk up and start talking about race where every single person has a whole different journey to the topic. Mm. Many of them traumatized, you know, in the process. So you got to put some context to your work. Your value statements, your missions, to, are you even valuing this work? And do people see that you do? And the, the, I saw some, <laughs> was it, I was watching something the other night. Oh, maybe I was scrolling through Facebook videos or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> so it was, it was a little, one of those little short video clips. And there was a white person and a black person going through DEI training. Okay, okay. Okay. Oh, this sounds funny already. <laughs> and and the, the the heading of it was when white people and black people go through DEI training. The white person is all alert and taking notes and you know just like yes. In it in it in it, girl. Girl, what the black, black person, person doing? Girl, the black person had their laptop on their bed and was laying over sleep. Like eating Cheetos, baby. Just sleep. Just no, they were sleep. They were sleep. Oh, like, please. I am so bored with this. Isn't that something? And I thought, I started okay, laughing. My sister, that's true. Then, well, I started laughing because just the, op- the initial optics was hilarious to me. They were so extreme. And I started laughing and then once I stopped laughing, I was like, well, hold on, wait a minute. There's some, There's some I truth can to that. identify That's right. personally with some truth to that. So let me figure out what is that about? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bring this full circle to your bring context. It back. Bring it back. Okay, don't give me, I don't need to be aware. So if you are giving me content that is directed towards awareness that diversity, equity, and inclusion is important, you don't, I don't need that. I live that. I know that. I already know. Since I was five, four maybe. And validate that, please. Every day, four or five. I mean, so what? That's why I could relate to that person laying there. Yes. No, I Now, get it. you tell me, and that's why I also could relate to that per to the white person who was aware and alert because maybe in their, in their, they, they needed that context, mm-hmm. that particular white person. So to your point, Context is everything because everybody is at a has has different lived experiences. Every white person isn't going to need that context. They may have lived not the impact, but seen the journey, been close to it, closer to it than this white person. Mm-hmm. I haven't been a slave, mm-hmm. but I have context and lived 
in a lot of things that tell me I am different. You better and preach. And that this, there is a structure that says so. You better preach, girl. And that is truth. That's well, not imagining it. That's truth. Let me say, and we can go to break on this. We have all been harmed by racism. Every last one of us. White people, too. Yep. And so, until we internalize that and receive any opportunity to talk about it, our pain, our struggle, our vulnerabilities, to receive any opportunity as a gift Mm -hmm. for us to know one another and, and move beyond. Clean pain, right? Clean pain. Let's go there. And there, you know what? Um, and I know you said about going to break, but when you said that, okay, at the end of the day, there is always going, this is not going away. Ooh, that rhymed. At mm. the end of the day, mm, mm, this mm, mm. is not going away. When I say this, the fight, until you have the conversation, the conversation will continue to present itself. Period. Yes, period. How long does, so let's do this. It's not going to go away. This is not like, oh, you got a fire and you're going to throw some water on the fire going to be out. This fire will be there. The embers will continue to glow and flame up until you acknowledge what is real. And that is that this country is racist. There is a racist system. People have been harmed. And let's say sorry and let's move on together. Mm, listeners, yes, we will be back in a moment. Hello, I'm Evelyn Lopez, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Crossing Division. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by Microsoft. Microsoft is proud to support Rainier Scholars. Rainier Scholars believes that all students deserve an equal opportunity to excel academically and become our next community and business leaders. And now they're in the 253. Rainier Scholars Tacoma is a long-term college readiness program for underrepresented students of color in the Tacoma community. They recruit in the fourth grade, start working with students and families the summer before fifth grade, and walk alongside them through college completion with the goal of graduating with minimal debt. Do you know a student who should be part of the first Tacoma cohort? Recruitment is now underway. Microsoft and Rainier Scholars share the desire to cultivate a growth mindset and believe every student deserves the opportunity to achieve more. To find out more about Rainier Scholars in Tacoma, visit rainierscholars.org and click Tacoma. My thanks to Microsoft for their support of Channel 253 and Rainier Scholars. So, sister, girl, tell me more because, you know, I will, I can say confidently that I will never, ever in my whole Audrey Louise Cunningham life, go to the White Privilege Conference. Mm. So since you have been there, tell me more. What else What else did they do? What, what else? What is it about? Okay, so... Okay, so one of the conversations that I appreciated was on the um, tribal land acknowledgements. Let me just say this part. Because... I have never, I mean, the first time that tribal land acknowledgements became a thing, mm-hmm. you know, when I heard about it, I'm like, what the hell is this? Okay, can Why you, you refresh my memory? Tribal land acknowledgements, you know, when you say we're on the land of the Puyallup tribe and we acknowledge that we are and we're sorry for what we did, you know, um... I 
I hadn't read the research on what it was, but I just noticed that different meetings that I was going to, that it became a thing mm-hmm. on an agenda that we do land acknowledgments. And I did say, what the hell is this? Because why you going to give the land back? <laughs> I remember you said Right? <laughs> if you're not going to give the land back, what the hell you is stole this? It. You Someone stole did. it. You stole it. <laughs> I acknowledge, I acknowledge that, that I, I am on it. The, your land, what used to be your land that I stole, and I sorry, and I'm sorry, I stole it, and I'm still keeping it, and I'm gonna keep it. So, anyways, yeah. Oh, and here go your casino. I, I mean, that that was my <laughs> my black body trauma. Okay, the first time that I heard it, and then. I call my friends that that are tribal affiliated to get some perspective on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And they were okay with the acknowledgement. You know, just like, okay. <laughs> you, you know, know what? We, they, like, as a starting point, just... But also acknowledge that they acknowledge that it's performative. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but if we are... If we are there, but I really that is I, hilarious. I I'm mean, just saying it's sad and it's it's hilarious. Like really, re- really, I'm just saying this is me and my own you. Melanie mind. It don't have nothing else to do with that. So I was at a workshop that actually we got to talk about that in depth. Mm-hmm. And um, was this at the uh, at, at the, the conference? At the, the conference, conference uh-huh. white privilege conference. Oh, Natalie I just love was our um, white privilege conference. Yes, the white privilege conference, and so she helped us work through those emotions. Okay, because it is part of of what we do. I mean, it is is part of healing. Mm-hmm. You know, the intention is for healing. Acknowledge your harm. So we receive it as that, but there are ways that you can craft your language for the um, the land acknowledgement and make it feel more sincere. Okay. And not performative. Because it'd be like, oh, dang, who's supposed to do the land acknowledgement? Uh, oh, oh, did you oh, call see, Sarah Sue? So, that's did you? so cold. Okay, that's you know, cold. That's, that's, that's cold. That's what it's become. That's cold. Oh yeah, you know we got to say that land stuff. What? Well, who? Oh, that's who so job sad. that is. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's no. I mean, this is that's real talk sad. right here. That's what it is these days. So at the white privilege conference, we had a chance to explore that. The other thing that I found interesting that it was sponsored by the Presbyterian Church in mm. South Carolina. Girl, no, I mean, North Carolina, the Presbyterians. Presbyterian, what is it? I, you know, all of them, white Christians, just very integral in the slave I mentality. I went to the one down the corner. You know, I got the one on the corner by my house. That's Presbyterian. I went one time. Girl, Presbyterian, it didn't Lutherans, seem any, it's just, Catholics. Let's just, you know, name them all. Um, they are complicit in this. Uh, movement and and the Presbyterians in North Carolina were stepping up and so they they had girl we had pastors and lay people from all over the state mm-hmm. that were part of our conference and it was amazing there was one time Dree okay I started crying Oh, girl, you was crying in front of the white people I cried in front of the white the wait I cried in front of the white men. You cried in front of Massa. I cried you in cried front of Massa. I did. But let me just tell you. <sighs> let me tell girl, you what tell happened. What happened. Girl, girl, listen. It had to be deep. I'm listening. It was tears I am all ears. of joy. There were they were joyful tears, and I said it out loud because the vulnerability that Massa um, expressed in the moment pierced through my heart. Ah! Ah! Oh, Doug, Doug, I don't even know what to say, Doug. You might have to cut the mic because I'm about to choke, girl. Okay, <clears throat> let me but back listen, up, Louise. When Sister. we're talking about forgiveness and reconciliation and I was sitting there and the exercises the depth of the exercises that happened at the white privilege conference right and I'm sitting there 
and they're telling their deepest truth. I promise you, I forgave them. And I cried. I did. I mean, it was three white men. It's not in the millions that exist out there. These three, they touched my heart. And I cried, girl, right there in the moment. Yes, I am admitting I cried in front of Massa. Does that make my black card go away? Is it revolt? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Did I just admit something into the national media that people will judge me forever as not being black? As your sister, I'm going to say I know with every fiber of my being that whatever happened had to be powerful. It was powerful for you to cry. Yes. In front of Massa. I know that. Hmm. I'm also going to say I'm stunned, but I am not judging you. Okay. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. Thank you for I sharing felt, that. I mean, for real, though. I did go through those um, mental, like, girl, what you doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You was thinking about that I was internally. thinking about, girl, what you doing? Sitting up here crying in front of these white people like this. What you doing? <laughs> right, right. What are you doing? You know, like, I mean, for real, it was going through my head. But what what took over me was just the vulnerability of forgiveness. Yes. You know, when I was listening to their atonement, you know, the, the exercises that we were going through in the depths of the conversation that we were going through after owning our feelings and stereotypes and things of that nature and then speaking on it and the fact that they were owning what they thought and and feeling shameful for what they thought but then and it's not a but then just the just and. the vulnerability it's an and and, and a comma of how they work through it, it's not the cancel culture. Well, you know, I mean, like right now, you say how you feel, and then everybody want to be like, ah, you know, and shut you and, down, and and pointing fingers and judging and all of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was so pure. It sounds to me like you went through a an exercise with. Three other human beings of white skin, and there was a level of vulnerability and commitment amongst all on a human level Mm -hmm. to move forward in acceptance and forgiveness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because everyone there mm-hmm. wanted that so passionately and yes. is committed to that and everyone was willing from a human from their human core mm-hmm. to put that work in and yep. that is deep and that doesn't come often so no, I can see it, that girl it was a rare experience mm-hmm. it was a really rare experience to be in community so yeah, as it was happening, I'm like, what that girl, girl, what you, you sitting up here crying in front of Massa. What the, what, what's wrong with you? You know, I that was happening. Conflict, 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 internal conflict. But that, those tears and, you know, that raw emotion, it, it's just what it is. So you it was to those, do that to forgive, though. And it You've was, gotta it was go the three guys. To forgive. Mm-hmm. The three of them. I'm mm-hmm. not saying the world. It was the three that I was in community, which then also establishes value for the need for connection, yeah. right? The need for us to gather, the need for us to be in community. But I do want to give a shout out for the reason why I think that conference. Um, is special and it has a magic about it is because of the founder and the visionary behind it. His name is Eddie Moore. Uh-huh. Eddie Moore Jr. I never met him before, but when I met him, uh-huh. it was like I brother man. Like I had known him forever, his energy, his spirit, you know, the way he welcomed people into mm. the space. 
Um, if it's your first time, if you had any apprehension about being there, I mean, here you are standing with the founder. And and he is accessible all the time. The whole time I saw him in the conference when I said, hey, you know, and then after the second time, he knew my name. How long has this been going on? 23 years, 23 girl. years. And Eddie's still alive, girl. Eddie's still That's alive. That's a testament right there, child. In the trenches. Because can you imagine probably back in the early Ooh. days, I never, we should interview him, you know, at some point. But I'm saying, like, in the early days. Did anybody come? I, I bet that they were sending in the uh, troops to what? shut them down. Speaking you know? of that, what um what would be your uh, description of the demographics as far as— It was as mostly white people. Mostly white Most, people. Mostly white people. Um, and, the, and they had a hybrid thing. Uh, where they had online and then they had oh, in person. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, usually it's mm-hmm. like a big, like thousands of people come, but with COVID and people trying to get back, it was a smaller number, which I appreciated because to me, our workshops were just right. We had COVID distance and protocols and um, options in terms of masks or no masks. Ooh, tell them about that one workshop, though. The, which one? The role playing. Oh, and the, oh girl. You got a girl. You got to go there. Listen. Mm. I mean, they got deep into how to do stuff, you know, how to, like, actually practice this work. And so I went to the... I went to the earlier session. The first day was an institute, and it was for facilitators that facilitate conversations about race in their workplace. So they were giving us different scenarios to work through. So I told you about four of them, but let's just tell the (laughs) listeners about this one right here. Okay. So so the scenario, again, is around racism, and we're trying to— practice how and to this deal is with faci- it. And, and so I, I just want to point out that you, everyone in that workshop facilitates conversations about race. That's right. So they, you're the leaders. You're the ones that do this as your work. At your job. At your job. People look up to you. And so this is you guys who have practice in facilitating learning to hone up in, your up in our game. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay, go ahead. So we in facilitated mm-hmm. training. So here is this particular scenario. All right. So the scenario is a hiring committee is meeting to discuss applicants for an open position in your nonprofit. All right. So that's the scenario. Now there are different roles. So now role A persons, the script that they have it says, um, you are part of the hiring committee. When your colleague brings up Sarah and Paul, you say, Paul and Sarah were my top two also. When a colleague makes comments about how Paul, a black man, is articulate and writes well, make facial expressions and find other ways to show that you are uncomfortable. Don't say anything unless facilitated to do so. Okay, so that is the job of the role A person. So all of you have different roles. We within all this there's four of us in a group. Okay. And we all have different roles. And there's gonna be a facilitator role. And then because we're learning how to be better facilitators. Okay, role B. This the facilitators. You begin this scenario. So this is the facilitator's job. You are part of the hiring committee. Open up the conversation by saying, Hi everyone. Did you all come prepared to share your top two candidates? Who wants to start? So that's the facilitator instructions. Now, this is the next one. Roll. You are part of the hiring committee. After a second colleague agrees that Paul and Sarah are the top two candidates, then you say, yeah, it was Paul and Sarah for me also. Sarah seemed really cool, and I think she'd be an amazing addition to our team. At the same time, I think having another black person on the team would benefit the organization. Paul was so incredibly articulate, and his writing sample was well-written. He just feels like kind of a safe, gentle giant. I feel like that's hard to find. Mm. Which one was your role? Let me finish with the other ones. Okay. Okay. And so then here's the the next world. 
Be the first to share. So now when the situation goes right, you got to be, this is the person that's going to be first to say. I'll say that I really like Sarah James. She's got a great resume. And it looks like she does a lot of white anti-racist work. And I think she would really connect well with our culture. I also really love Paul. He was really personable and his resume and experience are outstanding. When a colleague makes comments about how Paul, a black man, is articulate and writes well, make a facial expression and find other ways to show that you are uncomfortable. Don't say anything unless facilitated to do so. That was my role. That was your role, that mm-hmm. last one? Okay, girl, so what happened? Did girl, everybody do their part? Everybody, you could give us Academy Awards. You understand? My team was good. And our facilitator, mm-hmm. she failed miserably. Girl, what happened? <laughs> what she do? She finally just stopped it. She was like, I got nothing. Um, I don't know what to do with this. Because, you know, me and my role, when they said he was articulate, what you talking about? He's articulate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What kind of mess is that? You know? <laughs> and so she's that, having to deal with the, with yes. the conflict amongst and between the com- all the other the others. And yes. so she so in, she, so she just stopped she and just said stopped. she didn't, she she didn't know nothing. what to do. She didn't know what to do. Wow. I wonder how That's many honest. times— that that was well, we were there to learn, and thank her for being vulnerable. That's what I mean. And yeah. how many times has that happened in in real in world? Real, real, and real it world? has just just been not addressed in the real world. In you know that world. happened all the well, time. Okay, so are we going to pick Paul or Sarah? You yes. know, just sweep what do you mean by aside. articulate? Don't don't even talk. Yeah, how many times has it just been passed by? Passed by. That's interesting. So the, the, I at, love the, that. at the white privilege conference, we were digging deep mm-hmm. into these skill building scenarios and trying to, you know, get our confidence up to go back into the workplace and the places that we have influence and do the work, the anti-racist community building work. It's it's like strengthening your muscles. And I appreciated um Dr. Moore for his vision. And I mean, just really, I feel like a, um, you know, because I got the People's Gathering Conference. That's my little one day thing that uh, I'm working here in the community to do. But he's 23 years. Can you imagine being in this in this game for 23 years, how he's had to endure all the naysayers and, you know, the Fox News kind of people that want to make the work something that it's not and so you know shed light on it like we're trying to do something stupid you know crazy um just because they want to keep their kids dumb and not tell the truth about anything oh, i mean CRT it was girl that's a whole nother, the whole that's critical a whole, race theory. that's a whole nother show but I yes think did one but yeah i i think well th- I, okay it has been wonderful being back on the mic with you again. Now I am going to walk back my initial thought of this white privilege conference. I'll take it back. I take it all the way back because and see ignorance is ignorance is just ignorance. I didn't know. I taken just taking it on the surface. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing the name. Just the name itself. Um, but I'm so glad that you shared, number one, that something like that is even out there as mm-hmm. an option. As an Who option. would Ooh. know? Number two, it sounds to me like it's been 23 years, but it's still strong. It's standing so strong. So that is, that is uh, very encouraging to hear mm-hmm. that people are still in it yep. no matter what. It's knowledge. Knowledge is power only when you use it. And what I also learned there is that this is possibly something that we can bring in some form or fashion to 253. Can be repurposed it or can, replicated or it can whatever, be repurposed, whatever. It could be strengthened with the right sponsors. It would be a gift Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to our community to have this kind of framework to operate in under the white privilege conference model. So 
I'm thinking and about it. I Time to figure it out. Okay, I don't want to sound like a snob. What, girl? But I think that I am. What? I think if this can be successful in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, it definitely can do it here. We definitely can do it here because I believe that we just got a different vibe of mm-hmm. of of humanity here. Mm-hmm. We already got some good roots mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking that might be really cool. It's going to work. Yeah. I mean cuz we're ready you know, with, yes. with my with my depth Our of soil work, is ripe. With the people's mm-hmm. gathering, I know we're ready for this work. Yeah. Right? We're we're ready for what they bring. We're ready for um a deeper understanding in the work. And so that that's my commitment. I'm just going to try to figure out how to make this work. Can we have a—you think we should have a white privilege conference in the 253? I just think that we should. Mm-hmm. All right. And well, when let's... I know one damn thing, I ain't crying in front of no white men. Anyway, okay, mm. I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. Mm, drop I them. am. I am kidding. I love you, sister. And you have always been the trailblazer. So that means you are teaching me mm-hmm. how to be better. And that is that took me to a whole nother level, and I'm the one that needs to go deeper. Thank you for that, sister. Oh, girl, drop the mic. Boom. Boom. Thank you for listening to What Say You. If you have conversation ideas or want to follow up on what you heard, please contact Melanie by email at melanie at missmelanie.com. M-E-L-A-N-N-I-E at M-I-S-S-M-E-L-A-N-N-I-E dot com. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. The What Say You podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, and We Art Tacoma. This is Channel 253.